We are live. Hey, how's everybody doing today? I'm doing good. I know. I always say that. <laughs> this is how we always started. So, hey, guys, you guys are used to this by now. I say hello. How are you? I kind of just get that visual in my head that you're saying hi back to me. But, you know, that's just kind of how we roll. But, hey, there is a plot twist today. Oh, yeah. Because it's now be it's not just me. I'm super excited because Jessica Long is an American Paralympic swimmer from right up the I-95 corridor in Baltimore. And at 12, she became the U.S. Paralympics' youngest competitor ever. Since then, she's held multiple world records. And over the last four Summer Paralympic Games, she secured 23 medals, 13 being gold. In 2018, she wrote Unsinkable, From Russian Orphan to Paralympic Swimming World Champion. And then this year, I just found out she's featured in Strong Like Her, a celebration of rule breakers, history makers, and unstoppable athletes. Her testimony is currently featured on I Am Second's short film series that everyone should totally check out. We're going to have links in our bios. And we're super excited, blessed, and honored to have you as the pantry's very first guest and a sister in Christ. So welcome, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, hey, given the circumstance of what everybody's <laughs> going through, we're all kind of doing this the way we do it. If you want to brief us a little bit, a little bit about your story, it'd be awesome. I think people would be excited to hear it. I was born in Russia, born to a 16-year-old Russian girl, and due to a birth defect, she just couldn't take care of me. I was born with something called fibular hemimelia which basically means I was missing all the bones in my lower legs. And because of that, she put me up in Russian orphanage. And during that time, there was an American couple in Baltimore, Maryland, that had two children, couldn't have any more, and looked into adoption. And they just saw a picture of me and another little boy. And they just knew that we were the children that God wanted them to adopt. So my dad went to Russia in 1993 and got me and Josh and we came home. And six months later, they actually decided to have this little foot that I had with three toes amputated so I could wear the prosthetic legs. And then it is such an amazing thing. I mean, such a God thing because they ended up having two more children after they were told for 12 or 14 years. Um, Hannah came, our miracle, the miracle baby, and then Grace came. So I'm one of six kids, big family. Wow. I love it. And they really taught me what determination and never giving up looked like. Man, that is, that's awesome. So six siblings. Six siblings. So four girls and two boys. Yeah. I think my parents did an amazing job. Um, if anything, I don't think I have a real touch on reality that like other families weren't like mine. Like we were that homeschooled Friday night, movie night dinners every night. I mean, we just, we had a really great childhood. Um, so I am super thankful that that was the family I was adopted into. What made you get into the pool? I'm thinking on my own. I'm like, wow, you know, I, I've got this disability and water, <laughs> you know, I'm like no legs, water. I mean, what really drew you to that? Every time I grew, I had to get a surgery. So if I got the right leg done, I had to get the left leg done very soon after. And then when that was healed, it was the right leg again. And it was a constant, constant battle and always at the hospital. I think at those times of recovery, which took three, three weeks to a month, where I just had to sit still, I really learned to appreciate being active. I love doing flips. 
I would climb on top of everything. So for a long time, I was I did gymnastics and I loved it. When my prosthetic legs aren't on, I walk on my knees and I just get a little shorter. And I was doing gymnastics and jumping on my knees and cartwheels and flips. And my parents just realized, you know, oh, like this could really damage her knees to the point that I wouldn't be able to wear the prosthetics. Right. And um, we decided to go try out a first swim team. We saw a clipping in like the local paper and it just made sense because in swimming, you're not actually allowed to wear any form of prosthetic. So I fell in love with it immediately. So you've mentioned homeschool, how big of a family you have, your supportive parents. And we know that you're a believer now, but what kind of role did God play in your house when you were growing up? Yeah, God was everywhere. You know, every Sunday we went to church, it was part of our routine. We, My dad was a deacon. My, my brother married the pastor's daughter. I mean, every morning we started with a big breakfast. Everyone had their, like, little jobs. And then we would, like, pray. And then we definitely, I mean, we studied the Bible. But it was really hard. You know, I think as a little girl, I was going through so much that adults don't even go through, right? 25 surgeries, learning to walk all over again every single time. And I, you know, my parents did an amazing job and they said all the right things. But as a little girl in this determined spirit, I kind of, I really questioned it and I didn't understand because they would say like, God made you this way and, it's, and, and he brought you to us and, and we couldn't imagine not having you a part of our family. But here I am a little eight-year-old thinking, okay, everyone I see has legs. Like no one's getting surgery and no one looks like me. And, and what did I do wrong? And I just remember really struggling with that and, and really fighting God um, for a long time. Yeah, I think, I think that uh, that's acceptable, though. In that sense that every one of us goes through a struggle. Man, 46 years it took me before I woke up and said, you know what, maybe it's time for God to lead my, my path. But uh, we go through that. We go through these trials, we go through these struggles, but what's really beautiful about that and, and what I've seen from, from your bio or, or from hearing about how you speak is that God was constantly there. You know, I, I like second Timothy two thirteen where it says, you know, when I'm unfaithful, you're still faithful. And he did that in your life. He lifted you up. I mean, I can't imagine what a 12 year old would feel like when they touched the wall and found out they were first. Cause I mean, that's like two years of swimming and now all of a sudden gold medal in the Paralympics. It was wild. It de- well, it set the bar pretty high, for sure. Right. Um, the thing was, like, I wasn't supposed to make the Athens team. I had only been swimming for two years. My parents, who are my biggest supporters, they just are there for me. Um, even they were preparing me for not making the team for another four years, right, when I had a little bit more experience. Right. But this fire and this determination that I've always had. And I think it came from the surgeries, and, and giving up wasn't an option. And, and my parents did a good job of, like, letting me fall down and get back up on my own. So here I am in a sport. You know, I, it was the 100-meter freestyle, which is two laps in swimming. At the flip turn, I found out I was in fifth place later because I'm just not as strong in the first lap. And then I was neck and neck with the world record holder, from Israel and she was I think she was like late 20s early 30s and she was strong and like twice my size and I just remember thinking we were 15 minutes out from the wall and I still like I remember this so clear I just said I did not come here to get second and we touched the wall so close I mean it's like a fingernail but it was it was exciting and it set the bar really high um just for my career 
So we know that you really came to Christ later on in your teen years. And so you've been winning all these medals. And you mentioned that people around you were telling you, you know, God made you this way. God has a purpose for you. And it makes me think of all those verses that we hear when we're in pain, when we're in struggle, when when something, it seems like life dealt you the wrong hand. And it makes me think of Exodus 33, 14, where it says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You know, and those kind of verses that we're more likely to hear when we're in when we're struggling. But I'm interested in how you were taking and handling hearing those verses. What was your relationship with God like before you were really with him? And then what was that that moment that made you realize he did have a plan for you and that that was something that didn't make you bitter, but brought you life? You know, I think for so long it was like that 911 prayer, right? When you're in a crisis or you're struggling. Yeah. You're kind of scared. It's like you cry out to God. But every other day, every day life, it wasn't like I was living for Christ. And at the same time, I think through all of that, and that probably came a little later, but here I am as a little 12-year-old winning gold medals, going through adult-like surgeries, which were excruciating. Up until maybe I was like 16, and I'm having surgeries twice a year that's taken me a month to heal from. And by the time I'm learning to walk again, I'm getting ready to go in for another surgery where they pull a draining tube out of my leg where I'm wide awake. I mean, they just yanked it. Mm. And there came a point in my life where I thought, I am so determined and there's nothing that I can't do. Why do I need God? But again, in those moments when I would be kind of scared, I would still pray. I would still be like, okay, I'm scared. But at the same time, I remember praying those like the sinner's prayer over and over and over again. I was really fearful for so long. I felt like I was on this totem pole where like I would do really, really well. And then I would have this fiery fight or with my mom because I, as much as I fight in the water and I'm so strong, that determined and passion doesn't go away sometimes when I was fighting with my mom and I would feel like I was doing really really well and then I would drop down to the bottom and like feel like I wasn't safe it took a long time too because I again I found my worth in swimming I signed a contract with Nike when I was 14 I had a Coca-Cola commercial I got to walk the red carpet with celebrities I mean there was like so many insane things that were happening that I just felt like I'm capable I'm strong like I don't I don't need God's help like I'm doing it on my own but the silly thing is he was he was right there with me and he was the one getting me through it and it really didn't come till a night when I was like 20 21 I was living in Colorado Springs And I moved out to the Olympic Training Center where I trained about eight hours a day. And I think it really hit me when one of my fellow swimmers was like, do you want to do a Bible study with me on Wednesday? And I was like, "Um, that's not Sunday. Like, why would I do that? (laughs) And it was in that moment, like, I remember we were in the locker room and I just was like, that is not how you were raised. And what, like, I always loved youth group. I, I always fought God, but I really was interested and I wanted to hear all of God's goodness. And um, it was in that moment that I realized I need a heart check. And it took about three years of me still fighting God until I was just about to leave Colorado to move back home to Baltimore that I finally gave my heart to Christ. Amen. Amen. By the way, Colorado boy here. I love it. When you would go home and visit, and you'd go to church because I know I used to go home. My mom would be like, can you just come to church with me? You know, just please. I'd be like, all right, let's go to church. And I'm telling you, the minute worship started, right, there was something that would always register inside of me. You know, even though I was fighting God, I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to give up all these great things, you know, because church, well, you know, that was backwards, of course. 
Did you ever go home and have that kind of experience? Your parents, would they ask you like, hey, come to church with us and you'd go with them? Or did you just avoid it? Yeah, it really wasn't an option too much in our house. If you were under their roof, you were coming to church. And I mean, and I fought God. There was one time I was 14. I was like, I'm not going inside. And my mom was like, that's fine. You can just sit here. And even now I question, I'm like, okay, God, I know I've given my heart to you. Why did you still give me this feisty spirit? I don't want to fight you. I'm not supposed to fight you. It's not all easier once you accept Christ. But I think my parents did an incredible job. It was always, it was always our faith. When you were ready and if you wanted to pray with them, they were there. They were very aware of who was in our lives, friends. And when I moved out to Colorado at the age of 18 to live at the Olympic Training Center, that was one of their big things was to find a church. I think the thing is, it's so easy to show up. But if your heart's not in the right place, I mean, you're only kidding yourself. And you are right. There would be moments where I'd be angry and I'm still showing up and being a Christian on Sunday. But the moment Monday came around, I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. And I think I just got to a point where I was tired of pretending. And, and I didn't realize that there you could have such a relationship with Christ. And I think that I really learned that at the church I started going to in Colorado Springs, which my weight coach, um, she was the one who told me about it. And I, when I look back now, I had so many people who were on my team and pushing me closer to Christ. But at the end of the day, it was, it was still my decision, right? It was still, it's still our decision to follow Christ or to give him our heart. And it took me a little longer, but yeah. Hey, Colorado Springs is a good place to start. They have a plethora of right. churches. <laughs> like once a week, honestly, I'm like, we could move to Colorado Springs. <laughs> so, so then we move forward. Mm-hmm. You, you wrote a book. <laughs> That's, that takes a lot. It does. What drove you there? Yeah, well... I can't, I remember being 10 years old on my way to swim practice and my dad, he was just like, you know, one day I think you're going to have a book. He always believed in me. The seed was planted, but I actually, I had another writer. It was going to be this really thick, big autobiography. He's a great guy, but, um, it was hard to open up about some of the stuff that I talk about in the book. And I just suggested my sister as the writer and they really loved the idea. And we ended up turning it from an autobiography and more to like a young adult picture book. We spent about three years working on it. It was so exciting to do it with Hannah, my little sister, because she's the one that came back to Russia with me. How did Faith carry you through meeting your birth family? I was a very new Christian, even though I had been raised in the church and so many people just already assumed that my heart was, I was a follower. And it was totally God's timing, right? I had just left Colorado Springs. I decided to move back home and live with um, another Paralympic swimmer. And um, I found out about my biological family competing in the 2012 Paralympics in London. You know, my entire life, I dreamed of meeting my birth mom and, and what she looked like. And why did she give me up? Why? Why? Like, was it my legs? And, and my parents, Stephen, Beth in Baltimore, did a really amazing job of saying all the right things. And so they're going to protect you and love you. It was definitely one of the hardest things I think I've ever done. And it really it dawned on me like when I got there. It had taken like two and a half days to get to Russia. And the story blew up in Russia because they just put the adoption ban on Russia to the U.S. And a lot of Russia thought that I could change the ban. At one point, I gave a statement to Putin. There was like 30 cameras and they were like following us around everywhere. And I was like, I don't know if I did the right thing. Like, why am I here? It was supposed to be a quiet thing. Like... And they followed us everywhere, which was hard. But I I think through all of that, I I had God there with me. You know, when you're, I mean, you're a role model for so many different people, for people who have been adopted, people who have just any and all athletic dreams, people who have a disability that want to go into the Paralympics, 
for women, the Christian in hard times. For overcoming. For overcoming. You know, I think, I mean, the most recent book, Strong Like Her, you're amongst all of these women that have overcome. You know, from this faith perspective, for the kids that are currently wrestling with God, which is what Israel was renamed for because he wrestled with God. What would you say to yourself back then? And what would you say to people currently angry with him for their current circumstances to, to kind of help them move forward? Ooh, that's, it's such a good question. And one I've probably actually never been asked. I would have to say it is so exhausting just wrestling God because all he wants to do is love you. And he wants to be there with you fighting your battles. And as soon as you give up, I, I always think of it like just holding your fist super tight. Like it's, it's hard, like, right. It hurts the more you squeeze and you're just squeezing and it's painful. And then you can't really keep it up very long. And it's just like, open up your hands to God. Like, right. Like you don't have to fight anymore. And it's not to say that this life is easy, right. It's not to say that you, you can question and you can cry out to God and ask questions as to why, like there were many times that I cried out and just like, I don't understand why I have to go through this pain. And I think what I learned along the journey is that I wasn't going through that pain alone. And in a way, when I focused on God, it was like he was taking a lot of that pain away. And I can remember that. I mean, going through those amount of surgeries or every day when I walk, right, my legs hurt. And I will have like full out conversations with God where I'm like, okay, God, like it hurts again. And I'm just like, can you take it away? Like, I don't understand. And I think, you know, I don't, I think in this life, as long as we're just honoring him and just trusting in him. Um, and just giving him all of us, right? It's so easy to give him parts of us. And, and that's one thing when I gave God my heart, I just felt this instant relief and ju- just like, okay, like I'm not carrying all of this weight any longer. I've just given it to God and he's right there with me. And that carries us into the I am second. I, I like that idea. Yeah, I we just... had not heard of it before <laughs> until you, honestly. And 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 it was really cool to to pull it up and then go through all of the different stories from you know yours to Lecrae to Tori Kelly, Taylor, Tori Kelly. Yeah. I mean, we're and we're looking at not just all famous people, but just people who decided, you know, like I said earlier, you know, he needs to increase and we need to decrease. Um, and, and that humility that comes with that, how to stifle the pride, how to stifle that idea of just wanting to fight. You know, it's like, I mean, that's, you're trained that way, you know, you from, from day one, fight, fight, fight. It's me. It's me. I'm going to get this, you know, one more second, one more second, you know, I can do this. I can shave this, but it's like, I am second. Now all of a sudden you pull yourself back and it's like, wow, I'm no longer number one. What attracted you to that? that whole, that whole movement. That's kind of an awesome movement. Yeah. I really liked everything that you just said there. It was hard, right? Like the whole idea of being second, I always wanted to be first, but I had always seen the I am second videos. My brother um, is someone I just adore. I've always looked up to, and he was always reposting the I am second videos. And my roommate had it on her, her car, like a bumper sticker. I am second. And I just feel like it was always around and I don't know, it just kind of, it came about as pretty quick the way that it all happened. And just all of a sudden, you know, they gave me a call and just like, could you make it into Texas next week? We'd love to film. And I was like, for once in my life, cause I, I mean, with it being an Olympic year, I was back and forth in New in California once, like three times in a week, like back and wow. forth to Baltimore. So I was, I was traveling nonstop and it was such a God thing, right? Like that they only shoot a couple times out of the year. And the one time that they were like, Hey, we would love to have you come and shoot a white chair film 
that I was free and able to go. And I was nervous. I was like, all right, I want to be able to share my story in a way that will reach people. But at the same time, I was just praying. And just like, And they were awesome. The whole team of I Am Second, before you know, we even went out to, to film in the dark room, everyone was like praying on you and just wow. giving, hoping, you know, praying that you would have the encouraging words to share. And like I sat in that white chair and it was a moment that I had dreamed of. I always felt like I I I have this story to share and I, I was finally ready to talk about my faith in a way. If there's one platform that I really wanted to share it was I am second. I think they're incredible. But I just remember sitting down in that chair and they were like, all right, go ahead, tell your story. And there's like tons of people. Everything's dark. There's cameras <laughs> and cords. And it turned out so intense and beautifully. But I was like, all right, here we go. And like, I don't know. I think it's, I swear I like blacked out when I filmed it, but I thought they did a really beautiful job sharing my story and, and sharing it in the way that I would want it to be presented. I, I would totally agree. When we when we sat down and watched it, I'm not going to lie, we were both moved to watery eyes. <laughs> we're too really hard and people no, are no, watery eyes, no, not tears at all. No, 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 I won't admit that. No, I'm just kidding. We were. But, but it's amazing when you say that, you know, it was God's timing because it was a time that you were free and they only shoot a few times a year because... You know, we just started this podcast a few, you're going to be probably, if not the first, very early in season two, but we have posted today, the 10th episode came out and, uh, and you know, we, we feel like God wants us to just bring his word to people. And even though I'm in marketing, I've always given him my marketing because I'm like, I can't market myself the way you can, Lord. So we were praying at night. We, we prayed it before we go to sleep and we were like, Lord, it's all you. Like, just market us, make this happen to whoever you want it to be for. Let them find it. And the very next day, we get an email from Julie saying mm-hmm. you were free and that we could interview you. I feel like this is such a testament to how he just works in all of these ways that, you know, from the beginning of time, I always joke that me and Shay have an age difference. And I think this is the first time we're bringing it up in the podcast, but we're 18 years apart, right? And so I'm always like, I was being planned in advance for him. And before I was ever made, God, 18 years before me, you know, it started cooking on my husband <laughs> and this is all everything, your entire story before the beginning of the foundations of the world. You know, I think it's yeah. awesome. I, I want to just say something on yeah. that. It's kind of like God knew you would be sitting in that white chair. Right. In the dark. Um, I think sometimes uh, the greatest sermons that I'll preach or that I'll teach or that I share with people are the ones where I'm alone. Where like mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, wait, what just happened? You know, and that's yeah. kind of what you just described is like you're sitting in this chair in the complete dark and this white. And it was like, it's you and God. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. you and God. Yeah. There's other people, you know, in, you know, in the, in the darkness. And that's how our life works. Sometimes it's me and God. And we know that there's things that are outlying and there's yeah. things that we're like, oh, what's out there? You know, <laughs> like, oh, but I like how you sat in it and I like how you shared it. And I, and I just like that ministry. And so then we have all this build we have all this build and you know, this year you were supposed to be swimming, but what do you, with, with that not happening, right? And another four years before it would happen again, unless they're postponing. I, I mean, what is the story behind that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I think the thing with the Olympics or the Paralympic games is we are training for four years and it's every, it's not once a year, it's every four years. So 
it was pretty wild when they decided to postpone it. And I think they made the correct call because a lot of us athletes are scrambling right. to find a pool. I, I found a pool that was two hours away. And I was driving there, and then our governor finally announced, like, okay, like, everything shut down, and, and that was really tough. To have that, to get to that point where you just can't swim, like, that's still, like, I was still my job, it's what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm supposed to be prepping for a Paralympic Games. Um, so I think it was a really good call to postpone it. And it was tough, right? It changes plans, it shifts every life another year. But at the same time, it was like, okay, now we have another year to be almost overly prepared. And I'm just trying to approach it with like positivity. I mean, I understand there's so much happening and so much going on right now in the world that is really tough. But at the same time, it's just like remaining positive through all of this has been really helpful and just relying on God. And, And I think my husband has said it really well, just when we talk about it and like, what is God trying to teach us? through this time and through the Olympics or Paralympics being postponed, it's it's kind of crazy, right? I feel like God is is everything that maybe we idolize, right, is being taken away. And we're right. just like left to almost be still and just like listen to God. And that's really even hard for me, right? I, I love God. I, I love church, but it's easy to get distracted. And the Olympics and Paralympics were a huge distraction, but it's been almost like a re, I don't know, like a reset kind of thing. So I'm just taking it day by day. I definitely miss swimming, but it's even crazy, right? Like I know that God, like my identity is not in swimming, but with not being able to swim, I'm like, I have no idea what to do with myself. (laughs) And I'm used to being busy. I like busyness, but it's been really challenging to just be still and just wait on God, right? Right. That's all we can do right now is just pray and and wait on him. Right. It's, it's funny because yesterday we, we have our life groups on Tuesdays. And uh, we were talking about how for like, I'm a Enneagram three. And so my identity is like rooted. You're a four. Nice. Uh, <laughs> he's an eight. <laughs> so, you know, we're an interesting trio right now. But, you know, so much of my identity is in my performance and what I can bring to the table. And so I was saying how it's sometimes even though you have all these skills, God will put you in a space or a season where you can't use them so that he can show that your identity is in him, not in what you can bring to the table. You change and you become this whole new person in in the sense of you're you're the same, but with this new realization. And then you're able to do it again to a different level because, you know, in second Corinthians 12, nine, it says my grace is sufficient for you. And for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's not always our weakness, right? It's also the pools are closed. The tracks are closed, you know, like the indoor tracks, like all these things are completely weakened. Our economy's weakened, you know, our society's weakened right now. And so his power is is coming out. It's like, what are you doing right now? You're on a podcast, you know, sharing your testimony. So right now, what is normally first is second and your testimony is being brought out. So I love that. That that actually made me think of another verse. We're kind of that verse couple. So right, but we it's just like, throw them out. but it's like uh, <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So it's like yeah. no matter what we're going through, future and hope. You know, he it's not right. something that's against us. It's not something that that you know we oh well, what what is happening to me? No, there's something here. There's something big. There's something that's going on that he's going to bring into uh, fruition in all of us because we're all yeah. going through it. We're all sitting here like, what? You know, I mean, there's a left, there's a right, there's a center, there's an up and there's down. And there's me and, and her in the middle. And we're like, okay, so I know there's problems over here, problems over there, but what's really going on? You know, it's like, what is God doing right now to lift us? And I see that what he's going doing with, you know, in you, it's like he's lifting you into another level where it's like completely resting. 
resting in the father's arms. And that's beautiful. You said it, you know, you said I re- I'm, I'm learning to rest. And that is one of the hardest things. I'm an eight. He's I an mean, eight. come on. I move. I don't know how to stop. <laughs> uh, so I'm constantly shoo, 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 all around the house. Shoo, shoo, shoo. By the way, I do a lot of noises in my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, shoo, shoo, shoo. but uh, and, and so learning how to look just, you know, I still work for the army. Um, so going to a day on day out schedule, I'm still essential. Um, you know, we're working on the vaccine you know, for, for COVID-19. Uh, but just missing that day, <laughs> it's like, what do I do today? And, and then all of a sudden I find myself working at home and she sits there all the time and says, sit down and just rest. <laughs> and so I've been taking more time to sit down and just rest. And so I, I, I feel you. It's like, you know what? The Olympic games are postponed. It's postponed. But what's cool about it is everyone's been postponed. <laughs> So you're all going to have to catch up, but it's cool. I got, I got faith in you. I, I know that God's going to, going to raise up right. something beautiful right. and yeah. it's going to be something awesome. But again, what is after the Paralympics? <laughs> what are you going to do? It's it's crazy, but I have no idea what's going to, the opportunities that are going to come or, or what's going to be next. But I do, I, I do have a heart. I, I love speaking. I love sharing my story. Um, I feel like I have a lot of topics to talk about, whether it's adoption or just the next generation, a role model, elite athlete, all of, you know, all of it. There's a lot there. Just my faith, right? So I get excited for like more public speaking. We've got some books, book ideas, a children's book. But I really, I would love to still be involved in the Paralympic movement and really changing just the perception of disability. I think that's huge. But I also feel called to like swim to like LA 2028 and end my career on US soil. I think that'd be cool. But if I don't make it that far with my shoulders, right injury um I would love to be commentating I've commentated before so it's a lot of crazy like very crazy things but um I don't know I don't know where God's gonna take me and that I'm up for it and just trying to I don't know trust him right it doesn't really matter like I can say I want to do all these things but I really have to just listen to what he Store. Well, I love Amen. when people, I love when people say it like that. Well, I just have to listen. Right. I think because <laughs> we all go through it. Right. I think that's like a perfect place. We, we bring this up all the time as a pantry staple. It's not about what you like. It's about what works, but it's great when what you like is what God has for you. Right. You yeah. just like whatever he has for you. And so you're able to just say that and cast your cares on him, not be fearful. I mean, we all have a little bit of fear, you know, we're like, oh, gritted teeth sometimes, but we know he's got our best interests at heart. And we just keep filling our pantry. You know, yeah. you said it before we even started the show that you just got done cleaning out your pantry and, and repainting it. And that's really what we're doing here. Our hearts are our pantry. Right. And what we're doing is we're building ourselves uh, in Christ so that, you know what, anything that we face, anything that we go through, man, we, we don't do it alone. We, we, we do it because we're second. And I like that. Right. Hey, it's been awesome talking to you. Do you have anything before we, we close this out that you'd like to add or? Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank Man, you. I appreciate it. And, yeah. and hey, maybe when all this ends, we could do this in a real studio. <laughs> <laughs> and look, we can get your husband on. We can get the real details. <laughs> right. <laughs> So as always, remember to check us out on thepantrypodcast.com. Send us your ratings, your reviews. And as always, remember you can submit a prayer request to us at hey at thepantrypodcast.com. Till next time. Awesome. Bye. Awesome. Bye.